Hello everybody, thank you for tuning into the show. Today I'm going to be talking to my favourite French person about her story. My name's Chris Sutton, this is Mental Conversations. Boom! And we're recording. Here we are. Here we are. So, um, I'm sat here in the Flash Lead studio, as always, with Lucille Alain-Pesant. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Um, so, I told you that um, I started recording so many of these episodes. Yeah. I don't want to move up to like doing putting two out a week, because I don't want the pressure of feeling I need to be recording that many. Mm. Um, but what I wanted to start doing was splitting the podcast into two really where you've got a subject so we've talked about burnout yeah. in one podcast episode we've talked about mental space in another one um but quite often i like people people want to know about you mm-hmm. about the person and yeah. where where that comes from so i've recorded a couple of these now and you were just an obvious person for me to <laughs> to want to talk to yeah. so um it's as easy as tell us your story yeah um so like to me having um the the main word uh in my mental health story because this is what we talk about in mental conversations is um anxiety mm-hmm. and it started when i was really young actually when mm-hmm. i was about seven mm-hmm. what happened is that we moved houses and my dad remained in the city we used to live in for work yeah and we moved with my mom in another city and to me, seven in French is said to be the age of wisdom, when you when you start to realize uh, the real life mm-hmm. and real life things. And at that time, I realized that if, if something happened to my mom, then my brother and I would be on our own. Wow. And I remember vividly uh, making myself sick so that my mom would come to school and pick me up. Really? What, so so physically making yourself physically sick? Physically making myself sick. And I, I made a conscious decision at school. So I was probably, by that time, I was eight, I think. Um, I remember making conscious decisions of, oh, something is happening. Uh, what if there's this car accident? What mm. if this or what if that? Some terrible um, worst case scenario playing in my head Mm. and in order to I think overcome it and to find a bit of peace again I would make myself sick I had fever we would end up to the GP and and then once my mom arrived I was it was actually fine I was actually fine it's it's this there's a few things in there like you know this link between Mm -hmm. mind body and spirit kind of like that connection it's absolutely true, and I, I do think that you, you know, you can make yourself sick. Oh, hundred percent. And I think it's um, so. I've done it as a kid, so mm. I know it's feasible. Yeah. It doesn't mean that when someone is sick, you need to underestimate it, because what was happening there was uh, m- mental health issues. Um, yeah. And some um, really anxious thoughts for such a young kid. Uh, that turned into some physical illnesses. And did you tell? Did you talk to your mum about it? Um, not it? really. I think is you know it's um, old fashioned. Yeah. Uh, way of you don't really talk about your feelings. So I was not really raised that way. 
but one day, after a few times, one day the doctor told my mom, I think there's the red flag, you don't need to find her dad. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that was like the big uh, red flag for my parents and we actually moved back with my father. And right. I remember doing it once, one more time in the new school, also the old school where we used to go. And my dad came along that time and that was the last time. Right, okay. So I think it was really like between seven and eight, which is quite early on, and I had kind of forgotten about it. Interesting, interestingly yeah. though, like, um, and I want this to be all about you, but this is quite relevant, I think, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before, yeah. but I developed a bald patch through anxiety when I was yeah. the same age, yeah. six or seven, and I don't know what it was ever put down to, other mm. than it was put down to worrying and yeah. anxiety, but it wasn't like, there was no pinpoint of, it may be because this has happened, but it wasn't like a same or similar time to my dad going to the Falklands for six months, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. I wonder if it is that kind of attachment. Yeah, I think there's a bit like a bit of uh, maybe abandonment issues mm. or finally realizing that it's not the safe uh nest where you were raised it's it's changing it's evolving so it can be moving houses or one of your parents being away for mm. a long time i think as a kid you take everything so uh um in, in such big ways i don't know if that's a proper way yeah, of saying yeah. it i know what you um, mean but yeah it, it can have such consequences and what i found interesting is that that's that was my reaction and the trigger was uh, my dad being away. Mind you, we were seeing him every weekend and uh, one time in the middle of the week and yeah. calling him every day. So he was really present. Yeah. So, and and my parents were a really well working couple. So it was just my interpretation of this yeah. situation. Okay, yeah. I have a twin brother mm -hmm. and he didn't experience it at all. So there was just um, interesting to say that Actually, it's not a matter of what's happening. It's a matter of how you... How you process it. Process it, yeah, it and absolutely. how you read into it. I wonder where it comes from. This is always one of my big things, is yeah. where, um, whether it's genetic or whether it's like, you know, it's nature-nurture, yeah. is whether it's that yeah. learnt behaviour. And I don't know what the answer is, but it's an interesting conversation. I don't want to get away from you. Though. Yeah, well, when, you, when you look at um, burnout... Um, reasons there's um work very often there's also the lifestyle mm. outside of work everything you do and there's a matter of personality as well so maybe there's a, a beginning of an answer there thinking about what you do um, how busy you are but yeah. also in terms of personality if you're a perfectionist you're more likely to burn out so you, potentially you're more likely to be anxious from a young age as so well I've um, f just flicked through this book literally last night and it basically is arguing, I wish I could remember what it was called, um, I think it's called something like It's All in the DNA and it's basically arguing, it, I think, mm. it, I have always thought it's mainly nurture rather than nature so it's not genetic, there are some genetic things but there's a study on like one of the first pages of the book and it says you know these these characteristics and one of the characteristics is like eye color mm. and it surveyed 5000 people to say what percentage of the the you know your eye color 
comes from genetics against okay. learned mm. behaviour. And it's like 95%. I would have thought it'd be 100, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> 95% is genetic, yeah? What, what do you think for personality? How much of personality is genetic against learned behaviour? Um, I would say about 50. It's 40% mm. is your personality. But I would have thought, it would, I, my feeling was it was lo- a lot lower. Mm. Um, and that actually your personality is learned rather than something you're born with. Yeah. So if they, so that I'm assuming, if I've read this right, if they took me away from my parents when I was born, I would still have 40% of the personality yeah. I have now. Yeah. And I'm like, that blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, back. it's quite, it, it's uh, amazing to observe um, kids who don't know their parents behave like their parents. Yeah. yeah. So it is, so there, you know, there is that, that kind of thing. So anyway, um, your, so you've, your, your twin, um, um, didn't have didn't the same it? experience. Yeah, yeah. And you said, but you said you hadn't thought about this for a long time. No, I think it's uh, because it had become um, a kind of, as a kid, it had become a way of things not happening. So I was in a bit of this vicious circle because if I didn't think about the catastrophe mm. or the worst case scenario, um, then it would happen. So I was a bit trapped into having to think it through so that it would not happen. So a um, simple example is that when we were coming back from vacation or from a weekend away, uh, before we entered um, our streets, I would think that the house would have burned. Okay. And then I would think it again and again, and then it ended up not having burnt. But then I, I felt trapped because I had to think about it. If, if I didn't, didn't, then it would, it would happen. And it lasted for quite a while, I think up to when I was a teenager. And um, I described my childhood as very happy mm. despite this. And I thought it was everyone else. I thought it was a normal way to do and normal to have all those negative thoughts. Mm. And I didn't have a so-called wake-up call. I think it kind of, it just um, faded away um, Mm. slowly. And um, throughout my, yeah, teenage times and then early 20s, I started being more self-confident, having a better self-esteem, and then kind of being ready to look back into what happened and these thoughts and realizing that actually not every kids it's interesting though because because i i don't know where they come from and why it happens but i i had thoughts like that i always used to have thoughts that Mm. were along those kind of lines um so i wonder if it's more common than we think and it's just that so that more of us that people who struggle with anxiety say attach themselves more to it rather than kind of just forget forget about it yeah so but like even now I mean maybe it's a slightly different thing but you know um I'll I'll be halfway through the day and I'll think have I left the iron on Mm. did I leave the iron on I've never left the iron on in Mm. my entire life you know I I I take it out the wall and put it in you know put it it in the kitchen somewhere but I was like did I did I? I don't remember doing that this morning. And then it's like yeah. this, you know, so you get really wrapped up in that thought. And in fact, most days I go back and check I've locked the front door. Mm. I could get halfway down the road and think, did I? 
because I was I on automatic pilot. Yeah. But even on automatic pilot, I lock the front door. So it's a strange. Thing I think we kind of all have it to a certain extent, and you, you can make a decision not to have them. Yeah. In a way, and I'm not saying it's easy, no, but, it's not, that, but that's what happened to me later on when I realized, and I realized that whenever I'm going through a more challenging phase, they come back. These negative thoughts oh, really? and all this. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, this uh, worst case scenario, but I make a conscious decision not to let them in. In yeah, a way, okay. so it's it's kind of as if they were coming from outside, but I. Yeah. I but in some respects, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Because you don't choose to think them, yeah, do Yeah, yeah. But I decide not to have them. Yeah. And um, it has to, because otherwise you, you, you're in loops and it's never ending. Yeah. And you get trapped into being anxious all the time and that's not how I want to live. So what have you ever looked into or made any um, inroads into thinking about what the underlying anxiety was because I think things like yeah. that thinking about that like, I must think about the house having burnt down because otherwise it will have um things like that are there's got to be something you know a root to that yeah and that yeah. that's actually just you know and then the things about your dad that the, the anxiety you had there as well and making yeah. yourself physically sick you know what's the thing you know is it that attachment is it abandonment issue you know yeah most likely i think i think that's the the main um um topic that keeps coming back and uh, then and then is that i'm just thinking this on the spot now but is that then is the fear then more about because you know with like cbt they ask the question all the time so what because mm-hmm. you were saying you you said what if about 10 times in the period of two or three minutes then um at the beginning you know, a few minutes ago and in cbt they have a thing so what uh, what if mm. so what and it's like what if this happens or so what mm. so it's not like so what as in well it doesn't matter Whatever. it's mm. well let's analyze it so if this does happen so what? What would be the consequence? So, so yeah. like, you know, it's a pretty severe one. It's a pretty, you know, with your dad, if you're thinking, what if something happens to my parents, then I'm going to be alone. Yeah. So, so what is quite scary. And it's that bit, isn't it? So it's that, um, how am I going to cope? Yeah, I think it's probably like, the, I didn't get a chance to go that far so far. I think it's, uh, I, I would need to really dig deep yeah. uh, and explore what was, as you say, what was underlying. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a bit of um, abandonment issues and just feeling left out in a way. Uh, yeah. Around well, that I, time. The reason I mentioned it right, is because I've got I can't stop thinking about this. I take out this a, a boy who is in care. Yeah. You know, every every month it's this independent visitor scheme that I'll shout from the rooftops. You know, everyone should get involved in it. Um, and you know some children that are in care they get they move they move around quite a lot and that must be yeah you know exactly what your fear was is actually happening yeah you know where even the temporary person that they put together with after a few months or a year or two years then you move on again yeah and it's this you know when you're talking about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, you know. Absolutely. Or, and you're like, how do you cope with this? So this, you know, I don't want to go into any details about him, but 
Um, I find him incredible when mm. we go out that he's just so balanced and having we have fun and you know maybe we, you know we have a steady relationship and have done for like for a couple of years yeah. now. But like, I'm still like, how do you take this in your stride? You know, <clears throat> or is he? You know, what's well, happening underneath? Is he? Is he not? Maybe it's going to come back at some point yeah. in his life. Yeah. through an identity crisis or however you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so and it could happen at any time, couldn't it? It could but you're but you're You cop you cop when you have to. Yeah. And then sometimes very often I guess it comes back later when you're ready. Yeah. Or when you're more balanced in your life. Yeah. Then these things come back um to the surface and that's where you're actually trying you to try analyze and, and digest and see what happened. Um and going back to the, the physical reactions to uh, mental anxiety, mm. in my case, but many for, for many people, um, other type of mental health issues and mental illnesses, I think it's something we don't really talk about enough. Because yeah. um, yeah, yeah. um, like the, these GPs say to my parents, like, this is a red flag yeah. for anxiety. And I think it's something that we don't often talk about. So you say, oh... You have some fever, here is some paracetamol. Yeah. Oh, you have That's, headaches, yeah. like, take this and take the pill. And the pill won't actually fix it. Mm-hmm. So for many, not all of them, but for many chronic diseases, um, there might be some underlying uh, mental conditions. I, yeah, massively, um, massively. That actually would help the patient to solve the problems on the long run. Well, this is the physical thing, just very quickly, and then I want to ask you what happens next in your life. You know, that, that table I was telling you about, the percentage of things uh, that are yeah. down to gen- genetics. One of these 13 characteristics was breast cancer. Mm-hmm. What percentage of... I don't want to put you on... Well, I am putting you on the spot, but it's not important whether you get it right or wrong. What percentage of people who get breast cancer is genetic, do you think? Uh, probably 30. See, I thought it was like... I thought it would be really high. Yeah. It was 10%. Yeah. I was like, okay. So, the, so it's, it's really interesting looking at that kind of Absolutely. stuff, where it comes from. But it is like a whole... You're opening a massive, like, minefield yeah, can yeah. of worms to look at. So, so anyway, your story. What ha- so what happens next in terms of... Um, in terms of, like, these um, thoughts fade off. And I've um, always been anxious, but people don't know it because you kind of learn to put a mask on. And, yeah. you know, when you're raised not to really talk about it, you find ways not to. Yeah. And it came back... Um, as I said, regularly when I was facing some challenges, but really happy childhood and teenage times and then early 20s. So despite that, so it's also something that I want to communicate that it doesn't prevent you from having a happy life. Yeah. And it's not because on paper you have a happy life that you actually don't have some anxiety yeah. um, as well. So you don't, you never know what's going on behind uh, closed doors yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in someone's mind either. Um, and then I think it's when I arrived in Leeds, a uh, big change, few changes at the same time. Um, in a three weeks period of time, um, we got married, uh, we moved to the UK. I quit my job and I left France and friends and family. Wow, amazing. And I remember a friend telling me, well, you might feel a little imbalanced because basically you have four big 
changes in your life, which is changing jobs, mm. uh, moving houses, having a kid and getting married. You did three of those four. And four now. In, and the, yeah, now <laughs> four. Um, in a very short period of time. So I think to me that was quitting this job, moving to a country, being alone in a new country um, was a luxury was mm. really scary, but then the luxury to have a bit of time to think about what I want to do next, think about almost burning out and just yeah. realizing it, yeah. um, think about my ways of doing things, what, why am I working so hard and all the time, what are the reasons behind. So I took a few months um, to... I would not say self-analyze, because basically I kept doing stuff quite a lot and meeting new people and doing things that I enjoyed. Um, and then I got the, the these urge to do something around burnout prevention, um, to prevent people from going down that same route that can be really damaging uh, for the mental health, but also physical health. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was like that phase, which was about two and a half years ago now, Yeah. Uh, where actually these realization of what happened when I was a kid, and then all these anxiety thoughts that kept coming back regularly, that's where the big realization and it turned into the business that I yeah. do now. So tell why, why why not? Tell us about the business now. So what's the business called? So we do it's called Mind It and we do burnout prevention mm-hmm. um, uh, by doing workshops, training and consultancy in the workplace. Um, so we help people and organization to take over themselves. Yeah, and it's mind it. Mind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, and it's brilliant. Um, um, there you go. Endorsed by Mental Conversations. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you've always wanted. You yeah. can take that off your bucket list. Yeah. Um, Chris Sutton says. Um, <laughs> but there was something you said, right? This has just come come back to me. There's something you said in one of our previous episodes yeah. that's just come into my head. And I've only got a. I haven't got the whole thing quite in my memory, but I really remember you saying that something about in your early twenties you realised you were an adult or you were able to kind of rationalise and start thinking, oh, I'm grown up now. I can let go of certain things. Mm. And I remember saying the reason I remember it with talking to you about it was because I was thinking, well, I'm forty three and I don't think I've got <laughs> got there yet. Like. Because I really struggle to let go of um, anxieties yeah. and things, but like the anxieties, I'm assuming keep keep flowing in and out of your world. Yeah. But I'm really interested to know. Do you remember that what we were talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was about relationship yeah. actually. But to me, practically, is uh, really as I just said, not let the thoughts come in. Yeah. Um, and like I have this mental image of um, like this, um, it, it might sound silly, but this dark cloud coming into my brain mm-hmm. and it, I basically, I, I shut it down and it goes away. How do you, you shoot it down? Like I, I just decide, no. Okay. I like, and sometimes I probably <coughs> do it with my head and people might think I'm crazy. That's really interesting because, do you know what, the, you know with like meditation and things, mm. what they say is about, and you know, they, they use the, visualization of a cloud quite often of watching your thoughts as clouds but what they say is to let them float by yeah well that's a similar kind of thing as no i'm 
you know, pushing yeah. them to one side. Yeah. Or... It might not be the perfect solution after all, because I'm not dealing with this uh, underlying issue at, yet at the moment. But I think for me, in terms of balance and well-being on a daily basis, um, instead of spending time and energy and allowing mental space to these negative thoughts, mm. I just decide not to have them. And I have to do it straight away, because otherwise I can, it can go in it's loops. Spiral, and, yeah. yeah, it spirals, and that's um, I See, I think not it's... Really healthy. Yeah, I, again, I'm just thinking, I'm saying this without having given it a lot of thought, but it kind of occurs to me that, that quite often there may not be an incident from childhood mm. that that needs to be like resolved. No. You know, yeah, you you might be able to look at it differently, but actually your so my anxieties for example, it was described to me not my anxiety, my guilt. I feel guilty okay. about things. That's mm. one of that's my main emotion yeah. in life is guilt. Yeah. Something happens and I'm like it was probably my fault. I'm really sorry. And I'm like <laughs> what well, you weren't even there, Chris, like um but like and that's that's the place I go to, but in particular mentally, I go to this guilt. Oh God! Even if I'm happy and things are going well, right. I'm like, well, this, I don't deserve this. Why is this happening? Mm. Um, and then someone said to me, well, it obviously serves you, or lots of counsellors, it serves you to feel that emotion. And I was getting really wound up because mm. I was like, how can that serve me? It hurts me. Mm. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I want it to go away. And then, and no counsellor I'd ever spoken to that I paid for ever said this to me, but Viv Buckland, who's been on the mm-hmm. podcast a few times, and is a bit of a guru of mine, shout out to Viv, mm-hmm. um, she said to me, well, maybe it's because it served you at some point in mm-hmm. your life, and that then became your habit, Yeah. and that's now a pattern you, you fall back to, yeah. and have done for years and years and years, so bre- and breaking a habit is very difficult, yeah. so I kind of would contest that maybe there isn't anything that you need to go back you personally but anyone you need to go back to like a moment in time and resolve but it's about actually how you deal with it now yeah, absolutely and the way you just described it you are dealing with it now yeah it's so working. i think that's powerful yeah. that's really powerful stuff yeah. to hear and i think it's um i've never been diagnosed either so i think it's also a message that i wanted to share on the podcast today is that you don't need to have that diagnosis. Yeah. You might need support and help, and please seek it if mm. you, if it's too hard. Uh, but it's it's about a journey, and sometimes you find solutions yourself that would work for you and for you only, and they yeah. might not work for someone else. Um, and also, as you said, it's n- it's not about um, the specific moment. It's about the habit that you built. It served you at that specific time, and there was probably the only solution there like yeah. the only way to cope and then yes it has become a habit because it actually helped a lot at that specific at the time. moment in time so whatever it was cope. so for so there probably was a time where that guilt feeling yeah got me what where i wanted to because maybe by feeling guilty that impacted on my behavior and then the praise or the appreciation or something i was seeking from someone maybe yeah. I, maybe i got it because of that yeah so i was like psychologically sorry um subconsciously yeah my child childlike brain was saying well if you do this and behave like yeah. this then you get that mm. so that pattern develops but now like and that's p- possibly where these thoughts come from is they come from that negative place whereas if you if you're a more have a more positive outlook maybe you have a more 
positive thoughts come into your mind. Because yeah. I love this conversation. I've had it dozens of times, but about thoughts yeah. and where they come from. Because very rarely do you think, oh, I'm going to think about that. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. quite most of your thoughts, or a majority of your thoughts, I would say, just pop into your head. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, well, yeah. where, where did that come from? And when it when that thought is... So I heard a podcast, this is a couple of years ago now, but I heard a podcast where a guy was saying, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you then your first thought is, why did she say that to me? Why did he do that to me? Mm. Why did he do that 10 years ago? And it might be as long ago as... 40, 50 years, 60 yeah, years. Yeah, absolutely. And it, but on a Tuesday morning, you know, in <laughs> 2019, you're thinking about it. Yeah. And you're there. You're taken back to that place. And this guy ref- refers to it as, um, like, looking at a pile of shit. And he goes, <laughs> who decides in the morning? I know. I'm going to go and look at a pile of shit. Yeah, you don't decide that. Because you're putting that, that thought is coming in your head. But, but actually the power is whether you engage with it. Whether you 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 let that because I I see we talked about mental space in another mm. podcast and I think we have a limited mental capacity yeah um, and how I envision it is that if you let that negative thought it actually takes a bit of your mental capacity for yeah, today of course. and I I just don't want to allow it it's not. Yeah, how I want to think and who I want to be. And you do have a choice. I know. It, I know it's hard to hear yeah. people to hear this, but you do have a choice because even if it comes back fifty times a minute, you can keep, you know, saying no. I'm not engaging with that. And there's this thing again. This is a Viv Buckland thing. Um, I'm obsessed. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about how you have two million pieces of information come into your brain through yeah. your senses every second. Yeah, and wow. you and you can't deal with all of them. So it's like um, your, you know, does your left foot feel warm or cold? Like, if you think about it now, and mm. you can play along at home, like <laughs> you work, you'll be like, no, it feels all right. It feels quite warm. Yeah. But until you, until your mind told you to think about it, you weren't dealing with that. Yeah. Whereas your body, your brain is dealing with that at the moment. Yeah. But your, but the other thing she says is that the human brain can only process. I think she says it's something like six things at a time, plus or minus two. Mm. And women are better at it than men. Hence, probably the multitasking <laughs> thing. But you, so you, so your brain filters out the other millions of things yeah. as you don't need to think about that now. But one of the things that we don't seem to be able to control very well are those negative things that we attach to. Yeah. And but we do have the choice. We do have the choice, and uh, as you say, it's not easy, and it might be hard to hear. But um, I think when when people see me now, I don't look like an anxious person. I'm rather positive. Yeah. That's the like at least whenever I talk about my anxieties. I very often get a really surprised face from mm, people I actually talk about, talk to, and um, so yes, you don't. You might not know that someone is actually um, suffering from it, but you you also d- didn't see that person a few years before, yeah. or then a few years even earlier than that. Um, so I think it's it's a journey, and um, I'm definitely I'm definitely more much more positive now than the person I was three years ago, and even six years ago, nine years ago, and I think it's uh, it's just a learning process and finding the things that would work 
yeah. for you. But before that, you need to decide yes. to change or to not let that space... And it's um, going to be, it might be, we've only got a minute or so left, but it might be that, you know, it's these little steps towards it. You're not going to be able to do it overnight. But like you said, when you look back to three years ago... Yeah. You think I'm a different person. Yeah. But that positivity, I'm really pleased you said that word, that being more positive, you know, one doesn't necessarily come before the other. No. If you go out there and try and be more positive, then more positive things happen. Yeah, you don't. Absolutely. You can't wait for the positive things to happen and then go, oh, now I'll feel positive. Because yeah. it won't happen. Yeah. You need to kind of try and look at things in a slightly different way. Yeah, and you're absolutely. flying now. You're doing amazingly well and doing great Try. things. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I think they, they, to me what worked really well was gratitude. Uh, practicing, like, finding three things uh, I'm grateful for during the day. I know we already talked about this. In the podcast um, every evening so it helps me to fall asleep in a better mindset to yeah. wake up in a better mood and not think about the pile of shit when yeah. I wake up <laughs> um, and I think it also really helps on a daily basis to see beautiful things and to think about what actually is positive in this current situation even though It might be challenging, it's hard, I don't want to have that conversation, yeah. uh, I'm stressed out and I feel that I'm testing all my body. Actually, what? how can I see this in a positive side that is and a, not in a negative one? That's a beautiful way to finish that. That's really <laughs> good, thank you. Um, so how can people get hold of you, Lucille? Um, it's mind-it.co.uk on the website. Um, there's all the information about the workshops that we offer. And the email address is info at mind-it.co.uk. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in. And thank you guys out there for listening. As always, please follow me on Twitter at mentalcoms and on Instagram, Mental Conversations. Please rate the uh, podcast on iTunes uh, and another episode will be winging its way to you soon. Thank you. Oh.